Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. I also think beauty is not just one thing. And the beauty industry has been very dominated by a certain look, a certain feel. And I think that's a bit of a shame because it really is diverse, you know, what people do around the world, different skin tones, different hair textures, different body shapes, and different rituals. That was today's guest, Yari Coelho, who was kind enough to stop by the show. And you'll hear the funny story behind how we met in person late at the end of last year and how she kickstarted her life abroad and her life of travel with almost no money and the small steps and the little bit of faith she took each month, month by month to create this life abroad. It's a wonderful conversation. We also get into beauty, the standards around the world, why they are ever-changing, how it's represented in the media. We talk about that from a couple different perspectives, the consumer perspective as people who use social media out there traveling, how beauty may be perceived, and of course, the creator perspective when you're posting things. Just a, a great conversation around beauty as, as a topic, which is something she specializes in on her website and a lens through which she sees some of her travels and, and we get into destinations. Yari has been to f- over 50 countries, so I force her with my questioning, my hardline questioning to give us her three... Three of her top sort of standout don't miss destinations. So you're going to get all that and much more in this show. Plus, I'm going to share a couple of my favorite facts around Yari's adopted hometown, London, England. One of which really warms my heart and makes me proud for reasons I'll explain in this show. So let's get into it, shall we? Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience, and no matter how hard I tried. After I returned home from London late last year, I couldn't recreate that magical pub experience. We talk about the pub life in London and one of the many aspects of uh, what Yari, our guest today, loves about 
living in London, living abroad. And as I mentioned at the top, I'll share a couple of my favorite facts about that city. And and that was the last trip I really took on my own abroad. Kind of had that solo travel experience, stayed in the hostel, did the whole thing. And man, it felt good. It felt good. It came at uh, a good time, a little bit of a lull in the pandemic. And yeah, I, I got to meet Yari in person and you'll hear the story how that happened. And now she ended up on the show and you get to hear our conversation today. So I really look forward to bringing that to you. Now, the first fact about London I want to share, this one came from a website, a little Googling and turned up this website, uk.urbanist.com. They had 20 interesting history facts about London. Did you know there are over 300 languages spoken in London. I thought that really says a lot about the cultural diversity of that city. And I think you can really feel that in the air when you get there and experience that just walking around. Lovely place to visit. Now, there's another quirky fact about London I want to share that I feel a personal connection to. And I also want to give a shout out to somebody in this listening community. All right, I'm excited to share this conversation I had with Yari. Stick around on the back end, and we'll talk about that extra connection I have with London being based here in Norway. There's a little hint, plus a shout-out to somebody in this community. Stick around for that if you got some time, and I'll leave you with a lovely quote as well on beauty. Please enjoy this chat, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Now, you ended up here because, well, first of all, you were definitely speaking my language because we were at an event, the World Travel Market, in a bar in London. Cheerio, by the way. And (laughs) I I hear this fellow travel colleague, I overhear uh, somebody saying, hey, what kind of IPAs you got over there? Tell me about your IPAs. Wait a minute. Hold on. This girl's speaking my language here. And then and then we were right next to each other at the bar and we turned to each other. And yeah, then we just started talking and here we are. I know. Well, what's crazy is I recognized your voice, like not straight away, but after you said your name, I was like, oh my God, this is a podcast I always listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I, I left that part out because that just makes me blush, but... No, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm on the line with Yari Coelho, who has a website called thebeautybackpacker.co.uk. I'll leave the link in the show notes. And we got a lot to talk about today around you know beauty and content creation and life in London and all kinds of things. So anyway, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and it's always a treat when... Uh, you know, we've actually gotten to hang out in person before we record because then, you know, just getting on the video here and I get to see your face and it's like, yeah, we just met a couple months ago. It feels like, I feel like that doesn't happen as often during the pandemic as, uh, you know, it used to, but here we are. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, are you like skipping out of work right now to do this interview or... Somewhat, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The perk of working from home, because you kind of, you know, I'm much more flexible now, so I can just manage my time and sneak these things in. Yes, it is a perk. And, 
yeah, we, we got to talking when we were hanging out and I was just fascinated by the fact that you moved to London of all places. Like, you know, on paper, who should be living in London? You're born totally different place. Like, yeah, there was an interesting story behind that. So I wanted you to share, uh, first of all, how you ended up there and then what kept you there? Yeah, yeah. So I think, like most travelers, I probably always just had the bug from a young age. And So I'm originally from Florida in the States, and um, I didn't get the opportunity to study abroad in college. It was something I'd always wanted to do. So actually, when I finished, I didn't really have much of a plan. My best friend and I just moved to Barcelona, actually, with not a lot of money <laughs> or any plans. But I ended up staying there for about a year and a half, and I started teaching English. And wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I, I got to stop you there. Yeah. What do you mean? You guys just like had a little bit of money, and you just thinking, "Hey, we're just going to go to Barcelona because." Just what because, else? yeah. Literally, <laughs> we both thought, you know what? We have plenty of time to go and get serious jobs and stuff. And I didn't have anything lined up, neither did she. So we said. We took like literally pocket money. It wasn't much and said, let's just go. How as much long did you have? Laugh. I mean, I must have had like $500 or something <laughs> like that. It was mad. It was mad. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was 21 at the time. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a free spirit anyway, but at the time, even more so than now. So I thought, whatever, we'll make it work. And if it doesn't, I'll just go home and literally. That was the beginning of everything because I ended up staying. She went home, but I stayed for about a year and a half. I started teaching English. And from that point on, I think like expat life, just the bug really hit. I loved living abroad and having friends well, from Spain, but also from other parts of the world, other parts of Europe. And so when I was thinking, what do I do next? Because after, you know, about a year and a half, like I said, I thought, mm, I'm not really ready to go back, but... I know I do want to get back into work or study more or whatever. So that's when I actually applied to go to grad school in London. And I applied in the States as well. I actually was thinking of moving back. But as soon as I got the offer for London, I thought I'd be crazy to say no to this because it's just a chance to live somewhere else and to keep living abroad. Uh, so I moved to London and never looked back. I mean, it was I, I studied for the year and then... I, kind of same. I was in an in-between situation of a better find a job before I run out of money, but managed to do some freelance work and got my first gig in London. And now almost 17 years later, I am still here. So I never, ever went back home. If only my parents had known <laughs> many years ago that I wouldn't be looking back. It's better that we don't know these things, right? It would be too overwhelming to think about that much of life, which is, I think, the beauty behind doing a somewhat spontaneous trip like that, or just you know following your heart towards travel. I think it's you could have been in that situation where you had five hundred bucks and you're like, well, we didn't have jobs, so we left. But you could have been, oh my gosh, we don't have jobs, but we better, you know, keep working on our resumes and apply to a hundred more. You know, you were just like, well, we don't have jobs. We're gonna let's go to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think that having so little cash for a trip like that, sort of like back against the wall type of situation forced you to 
get out and, you know, get a job with teaching English and, and all of the, yeah. I mean, how did that impact your sort of your, your, your first trip there? I mean, cause obviously it led to a life abroad, but it didn't start so easy. You could have ran out of money and then just had to come home or something, but you yeah. stuck it out. Yeah, I stuck it out. I mean, I was broke. I'm not going to deny it. Um, I couldn't do much, but I didn't care. You know, I mean, I think at that point, it was just really about just having experiences, meeting people. We stayed in the hostel for the first week or so. We found really cheap accommodation. And I was doing odd jobs here and there. So I think I was on our pair, like, two days a week and then I started teaching English and I was willing to travel pretty far for schools that would have me for an hour or two and then I just started building on that like one student would recommend me to another student and then it was enough to kind of survive on and that's all I was really looking for it wasn't like I was I certainly wasn't after the money I just wanted to have rich experiences and I was getting that you know you could still go to all the bars and get cheap bottles of wine and have big nights out and I had made so many cool friends and I started traveling with them which was also cheap because it'd be you know I'd go home with my German friend and stay with his family which was incredible for me to spend Christmas there with him and you know all those moments were reasons that I would just keep thinking oh well I'll just keep myself ticking over to the next month until the next month and I somehow always did and that's just kind of how it ended up becoming as long as it did but it was never, ever planned. It was literally month by month by month. Okay, I'm still here. Okay, this is still working. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever miss that month by month, not knowing where the next month's going to take you type of lifestyle? Definitely, definitely. I think, you know, as you get older and you do have more responsibilities, now I have a flat in London and, you know, there's just different pressures. Um, I don't have kids, but I imagine that's a whole nother layer, you know, in terms of settling down. So I do think, yeah, there's a freedom in that time. And I'm really, really glad that I made the most of it. I mean, you can still make the most of it during any chapter of your life, but I think that's a real special time where you're not bogged down by as much responsibility and you're more fearless. You know, you're not thinking as much about what could go wrong. You just kind of go for it. And things just work out. At least that's how it's always been for me. Somehow it just somehow falls into place and you get by and and you never regret it. You know, you never look back and go, I wish I wouldn't have booked that flight. I wouldn't be here. I'd probably still be, who knows, back in Florida. So I'm grateful for those risks for sure. Yeah. And what was it about London that kept you there? I know you originally came to study, but you didn't have to there are many cities you could go and live in. You could travel around more. It seems like London's been such a consistent part of your life for so many years, obviously. So what is it about that city? We don't need to like romanticize it or here or anything. I'm sure there are pros and cons to living in London like there are anywhere else. We could talk about those, but you know, at the same time, you did stick around a place for a long time and there are other places to go. So yeah, what is the connection there with you? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I feel cities kind of like people, there's some, they have a personality, right? And there's something about a place that just resonates with you. Uh, it's almost hard to put into words. I, I mean, I, I loved that it was so international, you know, especially at that time for me, just meeting 
so many people from around the world, a lot who are of a similar age and, and starting a life in London themselves. So we connected on that. Just the size, the sheer size of London and what it offers in terms of things to do, people to see, places to go. And I think a lot of people think London's a really expensive city, but actually it also you can do tons of free things. So I even in my early years, when I was just starting out working and stuff, you know, there were all the free exhibitions and museums, the parks, the house parties, uh, you know, I was constantly doing cool and interesting things every weekend. And, and it was just an exciting life. And it, to this day, even though the shape of my life looks different, I still like knowing that. I like knowing that at the drop of a hat, if I feel like doing something different this weekend, I just go on time out and I'll find something I've probably never done before, a venue I've never been to, or a gig I can attend for some random band I've never heard of. I think just that constant um, activity and buzz to it, um, kind of like travel. There's always an element of unknown or shaking things up that I really love about London. And I still feel that way now. Do you? I was going to ask, yeah, after all the years, because as an expat myself, sometimes it's, uh, your, your day-to-day life isn't the same as your day-to-day travel life when you're traveling, right? But at the same time, when you live in a foreign country, it's not like you're traveling all the time. It doesn't always feel like that, but it's, no matter how long you live there, it's still foreign. At least that's how I feel, right? And you didn't grow up there. So you're never, you're there, but you're not like you're part of it, but you didn't grow up in it. I don't know. It's, there's so many weird feelings and, and thoughts around just living the expat life. At the same time, you get that cultural exchange all the time. And sometimes there are many cultural mishaps and other times it's, you know, you kind of giving somebody else a cultural experience just because you're from another place and, and you're, you're interesting to them because you're not you know, from that area. I mean, there's so much to it. How has your relationship with London changed over the years, do you think? When you think back to kind of when you first got there to now, is it more like daily life, kind of just not thinking about it too much? Or I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I would just love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely changed. So I think I mean, part of getting older as well. I think I just like being home and relaxing a bit more than I used to. But but I do think I have to think about it more. You know, if I want to go out and do something new, it probably doesn't come as naturally to me now as it used to. Where it was every weekend, I really went out and tried to find something new and different and met different friends. I'm much less likely to do that now. I think also with the pandemic in particular, where there were so many lockdowns here, it's almost become normal not to leave the house and have to remember, oh, wait, we can leave the house again. We can book things. I don't have to be inside all the time. So there, there's definitely been a transition in that way, but not so much in the sense that I, I feel at risk of not finding something cool and new to do. It's just that I have to push myself to do it more. The other thing is, you know, in the early days, I just didn't get British culture in the way that I do now, you know, like the <laughs> how sacred the pub is or a Sunday rose or, you know, all the different terms, American versus British and spellings, small things like that. A lot of phrases that now I use myself. I don't even think about it. Or, you know, my boyfriend's British or a lot of my friends are British now. You know, in the old days, it was all such a novelty. Whereas now I kind of 
think of myself as very hybrid American British. I'm really half and half. And then when I go home to visit my family, I become very hyper aware of all of my British tendencies <laughs> that I didn't have in the early years. But I kind of need them to be called out when I'm outside of the UK because every British person will think I'm very American. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's an example? Do you have a story where you're back home and your, your parents or your friends are like, what? That was so British of you, Yari. A, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the things I say, mostly things I say, so I'll be like, oh, so you're leaving the company. Are you having a leaving due? And they're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, right. Okay. So mostly it's phrases that I use, like a hen do or a stag do instead of bachelorette or bachelor party. <laughs> it's you not know. like you storm into a keg party with a cup of Earl Grey tea and you're like, hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Sorry, that's a no. Ridiculous caricature <laughs> I just made. I know, but I couldn't resist anyway. I know it's not that, but <laughs> okay. So yeah, more like kind of phrases. And I, I mean, I, I feel you the longer I've been in Norway, the more I sort of adopt, or I guess the Norwegian culture becomes a bit ingrained in me in subtle ways and sometimes not so subtle ways. So when you go back to the States Yes, there is a, you use the word awareness. There's like a hyper awareness sometimes around the culture because you've been out of it for so long. And some things just really stand out that you hadn't maybe noticed before. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures 
and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. I definitely feel it when I go back home. I mean, especially same with pandemic. I haven't been back to the States for two years. I went back in September and what a shock that was as well. <laughs> Just I'm not used to all the little nuances, like even how the news is portrayed in the States versus the UK, which feels a lot more dramatic is how I you would think? say that. Or oh my God. For the <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. Can't miss this next segment. Yeah, it's all those little things that you don't notice when that's, you know, been the majority of your world. When you see the two side by side, you're always comparing and contrasting, I think. It's true. It's almost shocking how over-the-top dramatic the way they present things on television. I mean, I watched a football game for the first time in a long time. First of all, and my kids don't really watch those types of things. We don't like really sit down as a family and watch a football game or anything. But this is a special one. It was a playoff game. And uh, my son was like, this is just, com-. he said in Norwegian, but he's like, this is just commercials all the time. <laughs> that was the first thing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he's right. So and then the commercials were so, I, I don't know. It's just different. I, you know, it's way different. It just stands out way more when you've been away from it for a while. And, that, and that's with anything. It's like when you when you land from a plane into a new country, like, well, everything's different. You know, you, the smells are like, it's just so different. You just notice it. So it's the same in reverse when you go home. There's something wonderful about the pub culture, I think, in England. Oh, it's the best. You Honestly, know? it's the best. You know, they describe it as the um, kind of the extension of your lounge or living room. And you know, like your local pub. And I absolutely love it. It's so true that, you know, just especially in the winter, weirdly in the winter, because there's nothing, there's something about it being cozy and warm. And if you're local, you know, your local pub is, if you're lucky enough to have a good one, that kind of is quite old and has this very old school feel. It's just the best. And you kind of get out of the house without really having left the house. You know, mine's probably less than five minutes away. But if I want a glass of wine, it's more interesting to go and have it there. And there's, you know, it's so cozy, the seating and armchairs. And you get to know the people that work in that pub because you're there all the time. So it's familiar faces. It's just, it's something I really love about the culture here. Whenever I have left to travel long term, it's probably one of the things I've missed the most whenever I'm away from London. It's such a nice, like, friendly feel. I was only there for a handful of days and I miss it now. Really? Just talking about it. Yeah, it's just so, like you said, it's cozy and I don't know what the mentality is when people go into the pub, like if their mindset changes and people are just more relaxed or kind of more open to talk or there's just the energy of it. I don't know. The Yeah, the wood, all of it. It's just, yeah. it just feels like a place to go and, and you don't have to be a, drinker or anything it's not like people sitting around the, i mean there are people sitting around the pub getting bombed of course but <laughs> you know a lot of people just it's just like you go down and have a pint or whatever non-alcoholic beer in some people's case whatever it's more of just like a social thing i feel and yeah and i love that it's relaxed you know i think it's like if you go to a bar i would think oh we'll have to like be a bit put together or i should change my outfit especially work from home when you're always so casual like i like that there's no it's not pretentious. It's easy. You can literally roll out, you know, in your leggings and a sweatshirt. And, you know, it has that really casual 
you don't have to try too hard and have a good time feeling, (laughs) (laughs) which is my idea of a good night out. Well, would you say that's a version of beauty? We can talk, we should talk about beauty, you know, rolling out in your leggings to the pub, (laughs) you know, being comfortable. Yes. Very natural. Very natural. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about beauty as a topic. I mean, you could have gone a lot of different directions. You're putting a lot of work into, you know, your website and like, you could talk about the mission behind it or just your interest in beauty as a topic and as it relates to, because it's the beauty backpacker, almost those, sometimes maybe people don't think those words go together, mm. right? Like, yeah, it's like jumbo so shrimp definitely. or, you know, it's the, I don't know. <laughs> definitely. Well, that's one of the things we need to talk about, you know, beauty as it relates to to travel and then to, you know, the context of social media and, and what people put out there and how that can be, you know, challenging and maybe damaging in some cases to some people. There's a lot to unpack here, but I I think, yeah, just starting with why this is a topic of interest for you, beauty. Yeah. So I think, I mean, the fact that you called it out, that kind of dichotomy between beauty and backpacker, it was, was very intentional because I think, I mean, I have so many things to say on this, but one thing I can say is that I think beauty as an industry, especially if you're not close to it, can sort of be seen as a bit superficial or focused on your looks or on the outside. And I think beauty is so much more than that, first of all. And I don't think that it can't, I mean, I think it can sit side by side with something like backpacking. And I consider myself someone who loves the outdoors and trekking and being adventurous and getting messy, you know, all that stuff. But equally, I like to dress up. I like to do my makeup. I like to think about what hair oil I'm going to use or, you know, have a luxurious bath or whatever it may be. And I think, I mean, we can get into the topic of femininity and all that stuff, but really I think those things can sit very nicely together. You don't have to be one or the other. And in terms of beauty globally and why I took an interest in terms of my content is I also think beauty is not just one thing. And the beauty industry has been very dominated by a certain look, a certain feel. Um, and I think that's a bit of a shame because it really is diverse. You know, what people do around the world, different skin tones, different hair textures, different body shapes and different rituals. And what I was really fascinated by was traveling. And I've always done this even before the blog existed every country I went to, I just took an interest in that. Like, what are the things that local women do? What are the products they use? The local ingredients that they might make their own, you know, creams out of or oils or whatever it may be. And what beauty means in that country? Because it does really vary, right? Whether it's more about eye makeup or hair length or these sorts of things. I'm very fascinated about the diversity of beauty and promoting that being a woman with like, you know, being a Latina, having dark curly hair, especially for me growing up, I didn't have a lot to look to in terms of different types of beauty. And despite, you know, the fact that I'm not a huge beauty brand, I'd love to be one day. It's nice to put a face to that diversity and to be someone that can call that out and really try and show, you know, different looks, different feels, different perspectives on what beauty really means in the world generally. I love that. When you really look at a human being, anybody on the street, anywhere, 
you 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 will see the beauty in them. Doesn't matter what they look like. There's there's something beautiful. Uh, there are many beautiful things about everybody. It might be the way they, the quirky way they hold a pencil, or like I, I feel like everybody has genius and beauty in them, and you just need to take the time to look and appreciate it. It is fascinating how the definition of beauty changes over time in certain cultures, over borders, right? Like you said. And and then you realize, well, this is all just completely subjective. And whatever a beauty standard is for any people at any moment in time, it's not going to be the same, you know, 100 years later or maybe one country over or whatever, which really means that there's kind of no such thing as beauty, right? There's no real beauty standard. And so the ones that you're talking about that were like forced on us through the media, that's, that's a problem. But how do you solve that? You know, like, how do you, I think about my daughter, you know, growing up and, and thankfully there's a lot more awareness around this stuff right now. Right. And, and, you know, until very, not, not too long ago. I mean, I think it's just more recent and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, fashion magazines and, and, you know, brands, uh, big uh, clothing brands and things like that have started to feature like normal sized people front and center modeling their clothes and things like that, which is, is wonderful and like important, obviously. And yeah, what are your thoughts around the representation and the, the comparison trap that people can fall into by looking at an Instagram feed, especially in travel, right? It's like, here's the the girl in the bikini with her arm, you know, yeah. the, you know, and it's just <laughs> we like, know those photos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts around all that? And, and I love that you're kind of like, it seems like with your work, you're really like working to kind of change the narratives around here. So, you know, that's kudos to you. And yeah, just, yeah, what are your thoughts around that? Like what kind of advice do you give to people that feel like they get caught up in those things when they're like scrolling through social media? Yeah, I mean, I think I struggle with that even as a content creator sometimes because you do really see like what's trendy, you know, and it is that shot, like everyone's standing at whatever waterfall with their back. With their and it, to me, it, like, yeah, it's so kind of monotonous and isn't really original I mean from a content side but apart from that I think it can perpetuate this idea of like everyone should look and be the same I think in some ways I hope that because I'm not quote-unquote like the traditional look that in and of itself is just like helping the whole diversity even in the creator space of not everyone looks a certain way and it's good to have representation in that space I think there's a long way to go in terms of brand partnerships and the media still in general in terms of increasing that diversity and having, yeah, just more a wider range of representation. But I think on an individual level, yeah, we do still have to be a bit cautious. I mean, even myself, I can be a little bit guilty of that based on who I follow and the fact that a lot of the people who do have huge audiences can look the same. Not all, I don't want to generalize, but then it's, uh, for me, it's about kind of curating the content that I see so that it is really not just a single view and that I'm not seeing only one, you know, through one lens. So I will try and seek out like 
more Latina content creators, Black content creators, Asian content creators, in terms of what I see in my feed. Of course, I want to see travel and beauty, head speedy backpacker. So that is what I typically see in my feed. But I really do my best to to try and see that through a diverse lens so that I'm always getting that mixed in terms of what's kind of going into my own subconscious. I think people can control that as much as possible in terms of curating it. Um, and then, yeah, I hope in my small way, I do play a part in just helping and improve that representation in the world of media, because I see content creation is very much a big part of that and only an area that's going to grow as well. Yeah, that's great practical advice as well, I think, for the social media consumer who is just you know, scrolling through is, like you said, just diversify it so you're not caught in this bubble of the sameness. And I just think that's a great practical tip, right? That's something anybody can do. You can just find other accounts, follow them. It changes the algorithm, right? It's going to show you different things. And that's important. Yeah, you mentioned uh, some of the challenges as a content creator. And this isn't just for content creators, but this is for anybody listening who, you know, wants to post some stuff when they, when they travel. And, you know, we can't please everybody, of course. So if you want to post the picture of yourself, you know, at the waterfall and you're looking good and you're feeling good, like we're not saying don't do that. Um, oh, but, definitely you know, not. What, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what are some things people should consider or be mindful of? Yeah. Definitely. Because I mean, certainly I wouldn't deny those places get posted and you see them time and time again, because they are beautiful. I mean, it makes sense, right? They're, you know, they're beautiful places to see and visit. Um, I guess something I try and do is sometimes almost like not predispose myself. So if I'm going somewhere new, I actually won't look at it on Instagram too much before I go. Because I almost just want to rock up and see what comes to my mind or through my kind of eye. And that way, it's really personal and really original. And sometimes it will be literally what everyone else is going to do anyway, because we all think that's beautiful. But at, the, at least I feel like I'm giving myself the opportunity to come up with something that really feels my own um, by not kind of going in having seen what was already trending for that place. Um, so that's one thing I would say. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. The other thing is, yeah, just getting a bit creative, you know, kind of playing around. I'm thinking in terms of photos, like shooting from different angles or, you know, trying to really position it in different ways, being playful, even if you're going to be in the frame in terms of how you, how you pose or stand. You know, I think it's, it's kind of remembering that, that creativity can come first as well, you know, and kind of playing with it. Cause to me, that's the whole point of it all. Like you go somewhere fun or somewhere new to kind of take it all in and to capture it in a fun and personal way. So it's kind of going into it with the right attitude. So you might do something that just feels very you and not what's been done before, you know? Yeah. And in many ways, I think well, what you said before is kind of like, well, you put yourself out there because we need to see all kinds of everybody out there, you know, it's traveling and stuff like that. I think, you know, for the person that's self-conscious, you know, maybe that's not for them and to be in pictures and things like that. But, you know, if you're self-conscious cause you, you don't think you look a certain way, write a certain way or something, then that's like, to your point, I mean, it's beauties everywhere. So why not just, destroy the, the, the narrative, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By just 
being, exactly. you know, taking the power back and just put yourself out there. You know, I'm wondering through your experience traveling and discovering the traditions, the ingredients, the wellness routines and all the stuff you kind of explore, if you found anything really like, I, I don't know if strange is the right word because we've already said that, you know, beauty varies. So there's no right or wrong, but you know, just some like really kind of different types of practices or ingredients used or just, you know, some, yeah, some interesting facts, I guess, around, of you know, yeah. routines around the world. Yeah. Do you have some things? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely have some really unusual ones that I did while backpacking. I mean, the one that stands out the most is a mud bath I I did in Colombia, which was really cool. A little bit touristy, but also so fun. It was, um, this was just like outside of Cartagena in Colombia. It's kind of like a mud, volcano mud pool sort of thing. But actually, I didn't know too much about the fact that much like thermal waters, it will have loads of different minerals and um, nutrients that are actually really good for, you know, hydrating the skin, softening the skin, which is something I'd never really thought of. Um, and I kind of along those lines, in Mexico as well, I, there's something called desmacal. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but it's like inside of um, an adobe type hut, you go and have this kind of steam bath experience but you can have it's not a shaman i won't know the exact term but for it's along those lines that someone will join you and then it's quite a meditative experience so you're sitting there in the steam bath which uh, i didn't get to do the full experience but if you do apparently it's quite challenging to stay in the space because it's like three to four hours long and the same thing it's steam it has like all these different local herbs See, I almost said herbs. That's the British versus American thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it has all these local herbs that kind of seep into the air and then you meditate and, you know, it's really about mind-body. So some of that, I would say, has been really cool. Each country does have like a slight variation on the thermal bath, thermal waters, um, on the massage. You know, a Thai massage is very different to some of the other massages in Southeast Asia much more bendy, I would say. Thailand is an incredible place for beauty experiences as well, if you really wanted to go to a destination for that. But honestly, probably one of the coolest things for me that has been universal has been finding out that the simplicity of beauty wherever I go, because really it does tend to come down to what are the local ingredients used, right? Whether that's like a local clay or uh, like coconut oil, for example, which is a big one in a lot of different countries. Shea butter is another big one. You know, that really a lot of the traditional beauty products around the world are very simple, not very complicated, very natural. You can make them almost straight from the source. Uh, and I think that's really cool because it's a universal thing that's still unique to every place, but also a reminder that Beauty doesn't have to be that complicated and it doesn't have to cost, you know, 200 quid uh, for a really high-end luxurious product to work. You can really do back to basics, pick something up in a local shop when you're traveling, and it could be just as good, if not better, you know, than the stuff that you might pick up in duty-free. So I think that's been a really cool discovery. And I still continue to discover because everywhere you go, you find new local interesting brands ingredients products 
Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we, we cut a couple cucumber slices, put them on the kids' eyes, and we sit back <laughs> on the couch, you know? It's exactly. Pretty, pretty inexpensive. <laughs> the best eye mask there is. <laughs> <laughs> and you can pamper yourself as a backpacker for sure when you are in the right places because like you said thailand and some some places in southeast Asia, i've had incredible massages and things like that for very inexpensive you know what i didn't do was put my feet into the pool the little um oh, tanks yes. they have in cambodia where the fish will then eat the cuticles off of your toes i'm just like no nah. well first of all <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my toes could probably use it, but I'm I'm good. I don't need to. I don't need to feed the fish with my toes. <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. That's a good one actually. In, in terms of the random experiences you can have, that's yeah. it's quite surreal. It feels very strange, but it works very well. I can tell you that. Yeah, have you done it? Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. I've done it a couple of times, and I I've been so impressed. I'm like, wow. That's another thing. It's just the same. Like that's probably better than any pedicure I've had and probably overpaid for in London. And all I had to do was <laughs> stick my feet in one of these tanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, there you go. You, you just saved yourself a hundred quid and you got to feed <laughs> some fish and give them their lunch. So very nice. Skin eating fish. Where do you get them? You can pick some up, bring them home. <laughs> We'll be back in a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now let's get back to the show. Is there anything we missed around the discussion around beauty and, and the narrative there? I, I just want to make sure that you kind of were able to share all of the the points you wanted to share here while we're having this discussion around that or, or whatever advice. And maybe we, we covered most of it, but just wanted to give one opportunity there to 
kind of let you fill in the blanks if there are any. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that kind of covers it. The, the big things for me, as I said, is around just expanding the perception of beauty and what it is in kind of multiple ways. One is the diversity piece. One is kind of shaking that negative stereotype around it being superficial because it can also be tied so much to well-being, looking after yourself, self-care. I know that's a bit of like a term that everyone loves now, self-care, but, you know, I really think it's holistic. It's not just about like, you know, what you do on the outside at all. It really is about, you know, to me, it's also meditation, breathing techniques, you know, all that sort of stuff I love as well, because it's kind of a holistic way of looking after yourself. Um, And I think it's a lot more expansive than maybe what you think of when you just hear the word beauty. There's so much behind that. And I think that's, what fascinates me, and I hope people keep an open mind to that because everyone can actually explore it and tap into it in their own way if they kind of realize that it's so wide-reaching and so diverse and, yeah, kind of a whole area to explore, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's a great point. Maybe it's just the word that can be off-putting in some ways, right? If you if you have If you have a narrow definition of a word like beauty rather than an expansive one it can it can definitely alter the way you think in terms of that the lens through which you're kind of interpreting social media or, or the world maybe beauty's the wrong word for some people right like when you're thinking about these things interesting you have been to 50 plus countries yeah I can expand on that. I can expand. Let's do a little destination talk here. What What are like your three don't miss spots? Yeah. Okay. So, oh, so hard to choose. So I'd say Japan. I absolutely loved it. That was my first real proper solo trip. I went for almost a month and I absolutely loved it. It was just the sheer culture shock. Beauty is incredible there too, I should say. Japanese beauty is a whole world. But um, just the culture shock of it, the diversity of what there's to see from like Tokyo to, you know, I mean, I didn't go everywhere, but there are the islands. Um, there's, um, yeah, it's just such a rich place. And it's perfect if you're on your own. You're never really bored. Just trying to navigate it. Um, yeah. What was the social, uh, sorry, the, uh, like, yeah, the social aspect of the solo travel experience in, in Japan, was it pretty easy to connect with people, meet with people, have those yeah. connections? Generally yeah. I found people were quite curious. Um, and so they would chat to me when they kind of saw me on my own. Um, there were definitely the language barrier was probably the more challenging bit in terms of getting around, but as a country, it's so efficient and, streamlined so getting around was easy enough um and i was able to communicate um you know and yeah sometimes i mean i remember going to the fish market there and just starting to chat to some guys when i was eating sushi that spoke good english and so i I found it quite easy as a solo traveler and very safe i mean that was a big consideration for doing that as my first trip alone um yeah, so I loved it there. I also just like anything nature. So Iceland is also top of my list. I went 
I did a road trip with my younger brother there and we had the most incredible time. I mean, it's just so beautiful. All you have to do is drive around and look and you're in awe of the place. So that was one of my favorites. And then I just, you know, if you ask me, were I to leave London, what would I do? I'd just like to go and live on a quiet, remote island. So Philippines was unbelievable. Mexico, funnily enough, it's, you know, on the doorstep for Americans. But I hadn't really been until I went backpacking and I thought, wow, I could live here. I just absolutely fell in love with Mexico as well. But for similar reasons, kind of the slow life hippie life um to me there's nothing better than that when you're traveling kind of wake up you eat you walk to the beach you know it's these slow easy days so those would be definitely in the top five for me as well nice and i know you i'm not sure how much time you spent in new orleans growing up but that was part of your background as well, right? Because yeah. I, I love New Orleans. I yeah. wanted to ask you about your favorite New Orleans dish because New Orleans and food is, oh, it just makes oh. my stomach growl thinking about it. <laughs> oh, so good. Yes. So my dad, so my family's from Honduras, but my dad moved to New Orleans when he was 10 or so. So he grew up there. And actually, we he cooks a lot of local food at home. I mean, jambalaya is a big one, of course. And I love coffee and chicory coffee is really big there. So my dad always has chicory coffee at home. Um, but for me, number one, New Orleans food is the beignets, you know, the little pastries that covered in the eye. Oh, those are amazing. Like to dip in a coffee, that to me is the best. But I only lived there till I was about five. I, we traveled a lot. We would drive back from Florida to visit family. Um, so I went back, a, you know, a fair few times growing up, but most of my upbringing was in Florida. But it's such a cool city. It has such a European and Southern feel. I mean, just the mix of cultures there. It's such a cool place. Absolutely. Any plans on leaving London anytime soon? I know you got your life there and, and everything. You've been there for a while. Where Where are you at? I think London for good, you know, London for good. Yeah, I really love it here. And I don't have citizenship. I I want to apply. I probably should do. Uh, And, you know, hopefully with continued work flexibility, I can still move around, you know, like go back to Florida for a month here or there, still manage to work maybe and travel on the move. But I, I definitely want London as a home base. I really, yeah. I love it. It's my second home. If not, almost feels like my first home these days. So I'll be sticking around for a while, I think. <laughs> yeah. It had been many years between the time I was there last and met you and the time that I was there before, like over 20 years. So I just forgot how incredible London is. What a city. And such a great time today chatting with you. Thanks for sharing everything you have. And if you want to just let people know, remind people where. They can find you and stuff and get in touch if they have any questions. Now's the time. (laughs) So yeah, um, I am Beauty Backpacker, as Jason said, and you can find me on all the standard channels, Instagram, Facebook, I don't know, TikTok. I don't use it as much, but I'm on there. And then the website's just beautybackpacker.co.uk. Awesome. Thanks, Yari. And uh, maybe we can 
meet up in a pub in London again sometime soon. Definitely, definitely <laughs> keep in touch. Next time you're in town, I'll take you to my favorite local pub. <laughs> I'd love that. Sounds amazing. We'll Thanks it. for your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you to Yari for stopping by the show. So great to have her on and to get to reconnect with her. So Yari, if you're listening, hope to see you again in London next time I pass through. Beauty is such a big topic in travel that I never really thought about before. So this brought up a lot of questions for me. And you know what? I mean, I'm a sucker for a good hot spring. I've had the the hot springs experience where you hike, you know, nine miles up into the mountains and find the the natural hot springs. But also, you know, if you want to pamper yourself a little bit, going to one of those like nice, fine hotel hot springs thing that I mean, that's fun too. roll up in the car, hop out, get in the hot springs, have a little beauty treatment or massage or whatever. Hey, I wouldn't complain. We all need to spoil ourselves a little bit. Right. Could that be a challenge? For us today, maybe we spoil ourselves a little bit. I like to throw in some challenges sometimes on the show. So let, let's do that. Let's make that the challenge. Go and spoil yourself a little bit today, whatever that means to you. Maybe for me that is, uh, I, I can't go get a massage or something today, but maybe I'll sit down and I'll, I'll you know, allow myself to step away from work and, and play a little guitar, just hang out. Maybe have a nice dessert and a coffee with no distractions. Sounds, sounds lovely. Anyway, there's your challenge today. Go, go spoil yourself. Not a hard one. Can you manage it? Can you, if you actually do go spoil yourself, please leave me a voicemail. <laughs> Let me know what you did. And in fact, get in touch anyway. I always invite listeners to connect. This is a community-powered show. Reach me at jason at zerototravel.com or just drop me a voicemail with that link in the show notes. Super easy to do. Just click a link, hit record, and say hello. I do want to give a shout out to somebody in this community. It's always nice to get these reviews, right? I mean, they mean a lot and they help get the podcast out there. And the whole point of the podcast is to help people continue to travel the world on their terms. So in a way, when you leave a review, you're helping to get the podcast out there and pay it forward. So thank you very much to Taylor who gave me a five-star, said favorite podcast. This has been my go-to podcast for over two years. Jason consistently hosts incredibly intelligent, well-spoken, and unique people who contribute to conversations on travel that goes beyond the surface of, of travel. I learn something new in every episode and enjoy the casual but thought-provoking conversational nature of the podcast. Highly recommended. Thank you. Um, I'm bringing this up, not to toot my own horn, but listen, I need your help finding those incredibly intelligent, well-spoken, and unique people Whenever I come across guests that I think will be interesting for the for the communities, for the listeners, for myself, and that can bring some some value here, I do my best to book them. But it does help to crowdsource those guests from from you because you're going to know about a lot of people that I don't know about and that, that would be a great fit for the show. So please send me your guest recommendations if you want. I just want to throw that out there one more time. Now, uh, let me talk about this connection I have with London and then I will leave you with a, with a quote. I think this is really cool and I just love that two cities can do something like this year in and year out and share this bond. Now, I'm reading this on visitnorway.com that's why this connection is personal. I'm a Norwegian citizen now. So yes, this is uh, my home country, my adopted home country in many ways, in addition to the United States. And I'm starting to feel that love. And every year, there is a Christmas tree in Trafalgar Square in London. And that is a gift from Norway. 
And that's because the Norwegian people wanted to express their gratitude to London for their assistance during the war, World War II. And those were between the years of 1940 and 1945. So they started giving this tree to London, and they've been doing it annually since 1947. I love that that tradition is still going on, even though World War II was so long ago, but that appreciation, that gratitude still exists and still gets recognized year in and year out. Just a beautiful thing. So if you find yourself in uh, Trafalgar Square during Christmas, then you can look up and see the tree and know that that came all the way from Norway as a token of appreciation. That is beautiful. Beauty was a big topic of this show. And there are so many beautiful things about the world. And I find that act, that gesture, beautiful. And what do you find beautiful, my friend? What are you going to find beautiful today? What are you going to find beautiful in this world? Beauty within, without, anywhere and everywhere, in acts, in people, in animals, in things, in ideas. Beauty is everywhere. So soak it up and enjoy it today, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. Let me leave you with a quote now. A short and sweet one from Confucius who said, Everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. So go out and see the beauty today, my friend. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.